All right. Hey, welcome to church today. My name is Andrew. For those of you who do not know me, I want to welcome everybody that is watching online today. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. You guys doing all right? Awesome. We are in a series called More Than a Feeling, uh, a series on love. We've been taking a deep dive of what love is and, and part one of the series. Uh, you know, our world has done such a great job of diluting what that word means. And it's so diluted to the point where it just means a physical act or more than a, or a feeling or an emotion. And, and in part one of the series, we talked that God is love. And you literally cannot, we don't have the capacity to love without God. And this whole series has been about having compassion for people who don't have love, who don't have God, right? And just to move us to compassion uh, of so many people in our lives that are not living without God and essentially not living with uh, living without love, okay? And last week we talked about if God is love, if God is this loving being, why does he send people to hell? And we talked about that God actually doesn't send people to hell. We choose to go to hell. And, and, and Scripture tells us that uh, no, everybody, uh, no one has an excuse. When, when they meet God at the end, no one has an excuse. God has put so many clues all over our planet that no one is without excuse when they stand before God. And so uh, God doesn't send people to hell. We, we choose it. And uh, we talked last week that we wouldn't want to live in a world without hell because we serve a God who is just. He loves justice. And there's some people uh, in earth that, that don't get justice, right? They, they don't stand before a judge and they get away with a lot of things, but uh, we serve a just God and, and hell is that justice for uh, some of these people. And so we talked about hell last week and this week we're going to talk, we're going to tackle, uh, you know, that difficult question. If God is love, then why do bad things happen, right? It's, it's a question, if you've been a, a Christian for a day or, or uh, 50 years, it, it's something that you always wrestle with. And, and people who ask you, who know that you're a Christian, well, Christian, well, if God is this loving being, why do bad things happen, okay? And so before we get into it today, before we get into it today, uh, I want to address something um, and, and from time to time, I'll, I will address certain things that affect us as a church, that will affect us as, as believers, and, and that is uh, something that has been passed through Congress called the Equality Act, okay? It's called the Equality Act, and it's been passed through Congress. It's going before Senate, and I don't feel like this is a political issue. I feel like this is a human rights issue that we're talking about here with this Equality Act. Now, it's a, it's a nice title, right? Equality Act. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, we believe in equality, right? We, we believe everybody should have an opportunity to feel like they're being treated equally, except this bill should be named We Hate All Religious People Act. Because if you see the details, and I know some of you, you don't even know what I'm talking about, I want to encourage you, Google it, the Equality Act, uh, read the details that are in it. Several months ago, uh, I told you, if Biden and Harris were, were going to uh, become the president and vice president, they had a 100-day agenda. This is part of their 100-day agenda. Um, and, and when you see some of the details in this act, you will be horrified. 
Okay, some of uh, the details in this act are they want to be able to give your 10-year-old uh, drugs, whether it's estrogen or, or testosterone blockers, without your permission, okay? High schoolers can't even get an aspirin in school, but they can get testosterone, uh, you know, testosterone blockers, and um, it, it's just horrifying. And then your teenager, they want to be able to, it's in this act, your teenager, they want to be able to give your teenager the right to uh, have a, a uh, sex surgery, okay? And, and, and if you as a parent don't agree with it, they can take your kids from you. Okay, some of you are like, there's no way, Pastor, this is not China, okay? There's no way. Guys, this is what happens when Christians uh, disconnect themselves from things that are happening in, in government. And I know some of you, you're just like, Pastor, I can't handle politics. It makes people angry. Okay, that's why I'm your pastor and I'm going to help you, okay? Because there are some things that we can ignore. There's some things we can ignore, but when it comes to our religious freedoms, guys, this is targeting churches, okay? This is, what they, uh, this is what this group has realized, is that the church is the last firewall from our country being completely immoral and given over to sin, because in this act, they are attacking the family unit of one man and one woman. They, in this act, they literally just want to erase women completely. They, they want to erase gender completely, specifically women. And, and, and so we need to be educated on these things when, when a, a government is attacking Christians and our beliefs and our right to worship. In this act, the government wants to have permission to punish churches that preach the Bible, okay? For some churches, that's not an issue, okay? But for this church, it's a big issue, okay? Because we... Preach from the, the word of God, and we're gonna, now we're going to teach what a family unit is, and we're going to teach on sin and what is sin, okay? And, and so this is coming down the pipe, all right? And so sometimes we can feel like we're powerless to change anything. And, you know, I think I feel that, that way sometimes too. Listen, we are not powerless, okay? So what can we do? What can we do to make a, an impact on this Equality Act, okay? The first thing we can do is pray. That is always the first thing. Pray that this thing does not get passed through the Senate, okay? Pray that God would raise up some godly senators uh, and congressmen and women that would stand for the truth and say, this is just wrong, okay? That's our first line of defense. But our second uh, line of defense is contacting our local uh, senator. Uh, I think it's Bennett and, and Hickenlooper. Contact them. You can call them. You can write them an email and just say, hey, look, we do not agree with the Equality Act. We do not want it in our state, and we will never vote for you ever again if you support it, okay? Like, listen, we still live in a democracy, okay? This is still America. We have a voice. We matter, okay? And, 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 and I know, and again, this, this culture wars of, you can have an opinion as long as it lines up with the, the culture of the, the world, and if you have an opposite opinion, we want to cancel you, we want to erase you, we want to, uh, man, we want to take you off YouTube, and we want to censor you. Guys, listen, this is our time to stand up, okay? We can stand up for God, because why? Because God is on our side, and we still have a voice, okay? We still have a voice, okay? And if we don't stand up, we're going to wake up to a country that we don't recognize. And it's gonna be our fault, okay? 
because we did nothing. Now, if this thing goes passes through and, and goes through Congress and, and they pass it and they stamp it, okay, that's a different conversation, okay? But guess what? God's in control. God has all the wisdom. His ways are higher than our ways, okay? Um, and, and we're still gonna be a church. No matter what happens, we're still gonna meet. We're still gonna gather together and we'll let God figure it out through us, okay? Amen? All right. That didn't count in my sermon time, okay? That was just the introduction. I haven't prayed yet. That doesn't count, okay? Just a public address announcement, okay? Um, all right. If God is love, why do bad things happen? Come on, let's pray. We'll get into God's word today. Father, we just thank you for this moment. God, there's just some heavy things that are happening in our culture in our world, Father. And so I just ask right now that you just lift that burden from us right now, Holy Spirit, that we would focus and hone in on the message that you have in store for us today, God. Father, I just come against the, the father of lies right now. But I pray that your truth would, would raise up in our hearts, in our minds, God. God, let us be focused on you, Lord, right now. Father, I just pray that you'd help me get out of the way, Lord. Let it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. And so uh, yesterday morning, I was in a, I was waking up, but I was still asleep. You know, that, that phase where you're just kind of sleeping, but you're, you're awake. And, and um, I, I, the Lord spoke to me, and he was showing me this image of Jesus and Peter as I was in this half-sleep you know, half awake state, and he was showing me this image of, of Jesus speaking to Peter uh, in, in Luke chapter 22, and he's saying, uh, he's describing to, to Peter that Satan wants to sift his life, and so I woke up, you know, I finally got up, I said, Lord, why are you showing me this, and, and so he's like, I want you to start your message off with this passage, and I'm like, okay, God, what does this have to do with bad things happen? Like, what is this? He says, this has everything to do with it, okay? And so let's read it, Luke 22, 31 through 32. Let me give you some context here. Uh, Judas has already agreed to betray Jesus, okay? He's already agreed. So here in this moment, Satan is feeling pretty bold, okay? He's already got one, all right? He's already got one. Now he wants the rest of the 11. He's coming after the rest of the 11. He got one. Now he's coming after the rest. Jesus says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Okay, so what is Satan asking, uh, what is he asking Jesus to do to Simon? So basically, when you sift wheat, you, you separate what is usable and unusable. And so what Satan is declaring to Jesus is that your disciples are unusable, Okay, I already got one to betray you. Oh, I'll get the rest to betray you. And so let me have them because they're unusable. They're unworthy Jesus. And look at what Jesus says to Simon. He says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is praying for us right now on our behalf? He's going before the Father that Jesus is praying for us. Come on, that should encourage us right now today. He says, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Just leave that passage up there for a moment. Okay, so what does this have to do with bad things, right? Why do bad things happen? Well, bad things happen because there is a real Satan. 
okay? There is a real devil that wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything in your life. There is a real devil who is asking the Lord, can I sift their lives? I want to sift their life. I want to separate them from God. I want to separate them from God's house. I want to separate them from God's word. He's asking to sift our lives. But here's the good news. And, and in Job chapter 1, we see Satan roaming around the earth. And what, what I find is so interesting is that uh, Satan has to walk. He doesn't have a horse or a donkey or a Tesla. You know what I'm saying? Like, He's walking, and you, you have to see this, that, that his power is limited, okay? And he has to have, ask permission to touch Job because he's under protection of God. And I want to tell you, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ today, you are under the protection of the Holy Spirit, and Satan cannot touch you unless he gets permission. Now, the other extent of that is if you don't have God in your life, and this is the compassion piece, if you don't have God in your life, you are open season to the attacks of the enemy. There is no line of defense. If you don't have God in your life today, you are open season for the attacks of the enemy. The reason why we have bad things in this world is because we have a bad devil. We have a bad devil who is trying to kill, steal, and destroy everything in our lives. So what is interesting to me, uh, again, is that Jesus uses Simon. Remember, he changed his name to Peter, right? The rock. And he addresses him as his pre-Jesus name. And, and I feel like Jesus is warning Peter here. Listen, he's warning Peter here. If you don't stay close to me in your faith, you could go back to your old ways. You could go back to Simon. If, you, if, you don't, if you're not careful, you can slip back into your old ways. Now, in this passage in Luke 22, Jesus then tells Peter that he's going to betray him three times. He's, he, he's going to deny him three times, and Peter's like, no way, that'll never happen, Jesus. And then a few hours later, what is the scene? The scene is Peter, a little girl, a little girl is asking him. He can't even confess that he's been with Jesus to a little girl. And then his eyes meet Jesus's across the courtyard. The rooster crows. And all of a sudden, Peter is just crushed. His whole world is crushed. And he just begins to weep bitterly. And for the next three days, he locks himself in his home, and he's just depressed and bitter. He's living with regret. Have you ever made a decision in your life that was just, man, you regret it? It's horrifying. You're just kind of bitter over it. Like, this is what Peter was living in. He literally thought his whole world was over. He thought the last three and a half years that he spent with Jesus, sacrificing, dedicating his life to him, he, he felt like he wasted all of it. And we know that because when Jesus rose from the grave, he finds Peter doing what? Fishing. He went back to his old life, and he's fishing. And so what Jesus is telling Peter here is, Peter, you need to be careful because there is a real Satan who is coming after your life. And he says, use this opportunity 
to strengthen yourself and to strengthen your brothers. We'll come back to this passage at the end. Let's look at the next question I want to talk about today. Why did God allow evil to come into this earth? This is a question my nine-year-old asks me uh, all the time. Like, why, why is there a devil, right? Like, like, why is there evil, okay? And so this is probably a different uh, sermon series or, or a different message today. Uh, let me just give you a little snippet. Uh, Satan at one point was an angel in heaven, and uh, he, he wanted to be worshipped, okay? He wanted to be served. He wanted to be worshipped. And he refused uh, to, to serve Adam and Eve. And so he was thrown down from heaven, okay? Because at this point, angels had free will. They could choose, uh, you know, apparently they could choose whether or not to follow God. And he decided not to. And a third of heaven went with him. And, and they, uh, God, you know, threw him to the earth, okay? And so Adam and Eve are, are created. And, and this becomes Satan's target, Okay, because we're created in the image of God, okay? We're created in the image of God, and we become Satan's target, right? And he gets Adam and Eve to, to take a bite of the fig, uh, a bite of the fruit, and sin comes into this world. You're like, well, so why did, why did this happen? Why did God put the tree in the middle of the garden to tempt Adam and Eve? Again, it goes back to last week and the last couple weeks. If there's no free will, then there's no love. If God wanted a bunch of robots, he could have created a bunch of robots, but he didn't want robots. He wanted people created in his image to, to reciprocate his love, uh, to, to receive his love and reciprocate it. Like that is love. And he wanted a, a, a being that, that had his image that could also love him back. And so he gave us choices, just like he does today. He gives everyone choices, whether we want to choose him or not, because that is, that is love. Romans 5.12 says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. So the moment Adam sinned, he, he took a bite of that fig, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And so when Adam sinned, he brought death and sin into this world. Now, uh, this passage of scripture goes on and say when Jesus came, he did the opposite. When Jesus came and he died on the cross, he brought life. He brought eternal life and he lifted the power of sin. And I want us to understand, this is what Paul is saying. Look, we're all in, we're all in the same category, right? We're all in the same category we're all fallen. We've all fallen short of God's good grace. Now, maybe you've had these conversations with people. I've had conversations with people. Um, and, and I think a lot of people, if you ask a lot of people, they would, if you ask them if you think that they're a good person, they would say, yes, I am a good person. And you ask them, well, why do you think you're a good person? And they'll, get, they'll tell you some things that they do. They usually will, well, uh, you know, I bake cookies for my neighbor, okay? Um, I shovel their driveway when it snows sometimes, okay? Um, I serve at a soup kitchen during Thanksgiving once a year, okay? I, I give my old clothes to the goodwill, okay? And, and, and right, they start naming off of things that they think are good, right? And, and those things are good. Those things are, we should do those things. 
but those, don't, those things don't make us good. Okay, so what, what is Jesus, what's Jesus' definition of good? How does Jesus define good? Mark 10, 17 through 18. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Look at Jesus' response. Why do you call me good? Jesus asks, only God is truly good. And so maybe you're confused by this, this passage because you're like, well, isn't Jesus God? Why, is it, why does he say only God is good? Well, he's addressing this young man who doesn't believe that Jesus is God. And we know that of how he addresses Jesus. He says, good teacher, okay? So essentially, he's saying rabbi. He's not saying Messiah. He's not saying Savior. He's saying teacher. And so he does not believe that Jesus is God. And Jesus knows that he doesn't believe that he is God. And so that's why he says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. And so, how does God define who is good? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and that is it. Everybody else is in the same category of not good. Everybody is not good. 1 John 1, 8 through 9 says this. John says this, if we claim we have no sin, Listen, we, we need to understand that we're all sinners. We all fall in short. That's what he's saying. If we, if we claim that we don't sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Our only hope is Jesus. Our only hope is Jesus. And, and there's so many people today, they're, they're trying to, to earn God's grace or, or they're trying to earn God's favor. Listen, we can't, earn, we can't earn our way to God. It's only by grace and grace alone that he gives us this ability to get to Jesus. And so we're all in this the same category, right, of understanding that when we're sinners and we've all fallen short of God's wonderful grace. I've had people make this statement to me before, and I think it's pretty funny. And you're, you should have a red flag go up whenever, when, everybody, when anybody ever says this. If I was God, right, I love that. If I was God, this is what I would do. I would just get rid of all of evil. That's it. If, if I was God, I would just get rid of evil. Okay, and I was like, all right, what you just did is you just hit a nuclear bomb that killed every human on the planet. Great job. Listen, as humans, we, we would make terrible gods. Okay, we would just make a terrible God, right? There's a reason why there's the one true God, right, who oversees everything, who's perfectly sovereign, who has all power, and he sees the, the beginning to the end, and we're not made gods because we'd be terrible ones, right? And, and, and we, yes, there, there are times that we can't understand what God is doing, that's why there's a passage that says his ways are higher than our ways. 
Psalms 53.1 says this. Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. If this is your first Sunday at Passionate Life Church, welcome. Everyone's evil. (laughs) Some people are like, man, this is kind of a hard message here. Uh, Debbie Downer, pastor. Scripture just, you know, we, we can't be living this life thinking that we're better than anyone. And I, and I think that's what Jesus came to prove us. It's like, look, man, I, I'm God. I'm the Savior of the world. And I didn't come. Man, I'm going to come wash your feet. I'm going to come serve you. He comes and he gives this amazing example of how we're supposed to treat one another. Let's switch gears for a moment here. So do bad things or the existence of evil prove that God isn't real or that God doesn't love us? And so I think there there can be some struggle when bad things happen, right? When we we, we struggle with things and we, we, we kind of think that we have this thought, well, God must not love me, or, or we see someone you know, flourishing, and we're like, man, does God love them more than they love me, right? Like, and we, we have all of these doubts in our minds that, well, do bad things or the existence of evil prove that God isn't real or that God doesn't love us? And I think the Apostle Paul does such a great job here in Romans 2, 14 and 15. He says, even Gentiles, and when he, when he uses that phrase, he's talking about people who do not believe in Christ. He's talking about people who are not followers of Christ. He says, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is that God has created in our DNA as humans to know right from wrong. Even if you're separate from God, you don't know God, you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Christ, there's still, God still has placed something in you to know right or wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their heart for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And so the Apostle Paul is telling us there's, God has created us to know wrong from right. Because I think there's, there's a list, right? There's, there's a list that, that I think most of us would agree, okay, these five things are really bad, right? Like, like these things are bad, right? Murder, right? Terrorism, right? Child abuse, beating a child, right? Sexual abuse. So there's just some things that, that are in us that are like, no, this is wrong, right? This is wrong. How do we know that? We know that because we were designed intelligently by someone who put that in us. C.S. Lewis, who was a, at one point was an Oxford professor and, and a staunch uh, atheist, wrote this in his book, Mere Christianity. I think this is so good. He wrote this. My argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. But how 
had I got the idea of just and unjust. And so what C.S. Lewis is saying here is that because evil exists, because bad things happen, it actually proves that God exists. A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? Okay, so the actuality of that, that there are things that are unjust, there, there are bad things that happen actually prove that there is a God because he put something in us. Because if there is no God, if there's no uh, stance of morality, if we don't have a, a moral compass, that means we're all just living our own opinion, right? We're, we're just living our own opinion. Well, who says that murder is wrong? I don't believe murder is wrong. I believe that murder is okay for me, but not you, right? And, and so we had, there has to be an intelligent designer who created us with a moral compass to know right I'm wrong. So what about suffering? Why is there suffering? And I know that there are some of you here today that have suffered and are currently suffering with things that no person should deal with. And here's the compassion piece that I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week is understanding that every person on the planet, whether you're watching online or you're in this room, suffers from something at some level. Every, whether it's physical suffering, mental suffering, uh, you, know, you know, we're all suffering for something. We all just came out of a pandemic, okay? We're all suffering from something. And, and man, there, there are things that, that some of us haven't even realized that this pandemic, this shutdown has done to us. We, we haven't even discovered those things, those, those suffering of, of uh, you know, anxiety, level of anxiety and stress and, and, and all of that that comes with, with a shutdown like this. We, we've all suffered. We're all suffering for something. And, and what I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week is that we need to have compassion for one another, understanding that you're suffering and everybody is suffering at some different level. And one of the lies of the enemy, okay, that happens when you come walking through those doors, those, those doors at church, right? And those of you that kids can understand, right? You look at that family at church that, that their kids hair is perfect, right? And they have all their clothes on, like both shoes, right? And you're just like dragging your kids in and, you know, you're just like, we made it to church, right? Like, and then you just look at the, the family, you know, the, that one family, right? Like they have great clothes, they drive a nice car, their kids are perfectly behaved, right? Their hair is awesome, right? And you're like, I am a disaster as a parent. We're the only ones that are bad parents. We're the only ones, right? And we're the only ones that have marital issues, right? And, and you, you, you start to think, and social media has done a great job to make us think that everybody's life is perfect but ours. You know, we, we see these, these perfect pictures with perfect filters and, and the golden retriever that's not even theirs. You know, it's just it's like these perfect images 
And it makes us feel like, man, like what's wrong with me? Listen, you need to understand that you are not alone. Everybody is suffering from something, okay? And do not believe the lie that you're the only one that is struggling with something, okay? Because everybody is suffering from something, whether it's marital issues, parenting issues, uh, addiction problems, like everybody is struggling with something. Don't for a moment think that you're by yourself, okay, because that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to isolate. Remember, he wants to sift you. He wants to isolate you. He wants to get you away from your support system. He, he wants to get you to stop reading your Bible. He wants you to stop coming to church from life group. Like, like that, He's trying to sift our lives, and don't you for a moment believe the lie that you're the only one that's struggling with something. We're all in this together. 1 Peter 3.18 says this. Look at those first two words. Christ suffered. God didn't even allow his son to avoid suffering. It was the actual opposite. He allowed his son to experience the highest form of suffering. And so if Christ suffered, we're going to suffer too. But we're, we live in a fallen and broken world, okay? We live in a fallen and broken world where there's suffering. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit, understanding that Jesus, that he went through the worst suffering of all time. Why? So we can have eternal life. Not so we can avoid brokenness or, or, or suffering, but so we can be made whole again, so we can get through the difficult times that we're going through. He suffered. He's suffering with us. He's, he's in our suffering. James 1, 2 through 3, James says this, and this can, can come across as insensitive depending on what you've been through or what you're currently going through. James says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. I lost my job. Hallelujah. Right? Like, like it's kind of like, really, James? Like when, when hard things, when I, bad things happen, I, I'm supposed to find joy in those things? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. This goes back to the beginning. Satan's trying to sift us. He's trying to separate us from the promises of God, from the purpose of God. And when we get through these things, right? When, when man, when we find joy in losing our job, when we find joy in struggle and suffering, it makes us stronger. Listen to me. The bigger the trial, the greater the triumph. Come on, the bigger the trial, the greater the triumph. And man, God is always trying to draw us close to him and build us up and give us a strength and, and build up our endurance. If we've never gone through anything, I'll tell you right now, if you've never gone through anything, I, I'm guessing your, your faith is probably a little shallow. But you show me somebody that's gone through the trials of life. 
Come on, they've got, there's some tread that's been worn out on those tires, okay? And that is a person that is strong. That is a person in the face of persecution, in the safe of, su- of suffering. Say, man, I don't understand why this is happening, but man, I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to stand on the promises of God because I know he's trying to build something in me. And I don't understand it right now. Well, I'm going to trust God through it. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says this, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And so what Paul is telling the Corinthian church is, look, you're struggling, you're suffering with some things right now. What I need you to do is zoom out. I need you to just zoom out and get a big picture because, man, many times when we're struggling with a problem or an issue or, or an addiction, we, 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 just, we just get so focused on that thing and nothing else matters and we're just, we're just so focused on it. And what Paul's saying, man, you need to zoom out. Zoom out. God sees the beginning from the end. He's still got a purpose. He's got a plan for you. Okay, and listen, he's gonna make up for all of the suffering and all the struggling in eternity. Come on, we get new bodies? No more keto diet? We get new bodies? He's, he, he's going to recreate the heavens and the earth? Listen, he's going to make it up to us someday. So whenever you're, you're struggling with just focusing on your problems and your issues, man, zoom out. Because God's got a purpose. He's got a plan for our lives. He's working. He's always working in our lives. Psalms 56, 8 through 9. I'm going to end here. And this is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. I just love this passage so much because this is the heart of God when we're struggling with something, when we're in suffering, when we're in pain when we're in sorrow, like this is the heart of God. David writes this, you keep track of all of my sorrows. And listen, I know some of you, you are in great sorrow right now. You're, you're struggling, you're, you're suffering with some things and I want you to know that God is with you. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. He takes a bottle. He's so close to you in your sorrow that he's collecting every single tear that you cry. He is right with you. You have recorded each one in your book. There, there's the book again, right? He's, he's recording your, your sorrows and your struggles that you're going through. Why? Because he's with you. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know, God is on my side. God is on our side. God is in our side. No matter what you're going through today, God is with you. He is on your side. And there are just some things that are unexplainable other than that we live in a fallen and broken world with a nasty devil who hates our lives. But just know, Every trial is an opportunity for a great triumph. Every struggle and every sorrow that we go through is an opportunity to get closer to Jesus. And I want to go back. I want to end with this today. I want to go back to that that image of Jesus and Peter. Because that conversation was essential for the start of the church. That brokenness that Peter 
went through, that, that brokenness, that, 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 that the, weep, the bitterness, the, the weeping was, was monumental to when the Holy Spirit comes, right? Fills all of the believers. Who's the guy that steps out and starts to preach? It's Peter. And he, he pulls on those moments of failure to step into all that God has called him to. It's what made him stronger. And there's things that we're going through today that God wants to make us stronger. Maybe not just for you, but for somebody else. Because Jesus says, listen, Peter, you're going through this. You're going to go through this to make your brother stronger. You're going to be that mouthpiece that encourages them. That they can, you, you got through it, and they can get through it too. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes right now. We're going to go into our response time. Maybe you would say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus, and I need to make that decision this morning. Or maybe you've drifted from the truth. You, you've drifted from, from God and the things of God, and you just need to make a recommitment to Christ today. I would just ask every head bowed, every eye closed. This is your personal declaration of faith. And I want to encourage you online to do this also, to pray with us. If that's you this morning, I would just ask that you would slip up your hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yes. Yes, thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. And I would just ask that everyone repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.